Yet another major playmaker not showing up to minicamp. This time it's Terry McLaurin, and so I'm very happy to be joined by David Harrison, who does Locked On Commanders, and talk about that and kind of the NFC East as a whole. Let's do it. It's Locked On NFL Podcast. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, it's Tuesday. That means you got me, Luke Braun, at Luke Braun NFL. I do Locked On Vikings, and I'm here subbing in for Ross with David Harrison at dharrison82. He does Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks. So thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. David, let's talk about your commanders. Uh, I hear uh, there, uh, there's a little something, something going on. With Terry McLaurin. Tell me about the situation. He's not showing up to minicamp. What's the deal? Yeah, so Terry McLaurin, you know, he's in a contract year and he's been the best wide receiver on this team since he since he entered the National Football League. Uh, and some could argue, honestly, maybe the most impressive, if not the most flat out talented wide receiver uh, in the NFL. I think you have a hard time making that case, but at least making, you know, making making the best out of, of a bad situation. I mean, the man has had eight starting quarterbacks in three years of play mm-hmm. and then. You come into last season, he's supposed to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, this veteran who is finally going to have the best offense around him that he's ever had in his career. And and he's going to help Terry take the next step and all these other things. And he gets injured in the first quarter of the season and is lost for the year. And you have Taylor Heineke, uh, who who really has a lot of limitations as, as an mm-hmm. NFL quarterback. Yet, Terry is still able to be one of the most productive uh, wide receivers in the game today. today. And that just kind of shows the talent that, Terry McLaurin brought with him from Ohio State when he entered the National Football League. Now he wants a new contract, right? And this kind of all started as, you know, just a, a guy who wants a new contract, wants to stick with the team and do all these things. And the fan base loves him. And when you talk about a franchise like Washington who needs all the good press they can possibly get, why wouldn't you keep, you know, again, one of the one of the top mm-hmm. talented young receivers in the league who, oh, by the way, also isn't a diva, right? He's not out there doing all the TikTok craziness or showing up to training camp in helicopters. He's no Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he's not a Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's just he's just this down-to-earth team captain, leader of the team uh, type of guy that you want. He's the type of guy you want to put on posters, you know what I mean? So why mm-hmm. wouldn't you get a deal done? Up to now, they haven't gotten that deal done. You know, Terry was was in the building. Uh, he was at the facility for some of the off-season program stuff, some of the voluntary phase work and everything. Uh, doing doing the right thing, doing the leadership thing. But as things have kind of continued and the team has not come to an agreement with his, his him and his people, now things are moving to where we're getting to the mandatory minicamp part uh, of this. And, and, and it has become as official as it can be until things get kicked off Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m. But Terry McLaurin is not going to be there. In fact, the last I was told, he's in Florida. So you couldn't, okay. you know, he can't be in Ashburn, even Virginia it, yeah. Tuesday morning if, if he's in Florida. So uh, he won't be there. Whether or not the team is going to find him for not being present is still to be seen. But the bottom line is he's 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 doing what he he needs to for himself mm-hmm. to try to ensure that he gets a new deal. Meanwhile, the team is trying to break in uh, their new quarterback, Carson Wentz. Yeah, and it, the, the joke I always say, there's about 20 top 10 receivers in the league right now. Yeah. And Terry McLaurin, unquestionably one of them. Um, and like when you have that guy, even though a lot of teams have that guy, you don't want to be one of the teams that doesn't have that guy. And right. Terry McLaurin's that guy. You got to keep him in the building. He's on the last year of a deal, right? 
that you don't want that dude playing on a contract here. You don't want him to tear an ACL and suddenly you might lose this guy to free agency because the situation's awkward right now. Like, get that dude locked down when you can. But the problem is, I mean, you look at these Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro and every, all of these gigantic A.J. Yeah. Brown uh, contracts. Is Washington set up to, like, can they pay him? I don't know their cap situation off the top of my head. Are they able to pay him? Or is it one of those things where it's like, we'll give you what we can, but we can only give you so much like by the rules and he wants more than that. Um, or is it a situation where Washington could pay him, but they're playing hardball, which would kind of be its own set of issues. They definitely can pay him. I mean, as of right now, the last the last I remember looking, I think they have about $18 million in salary cap space after freeing up the money that Landon Collins okay. uh, was supposed to get after, but as a June one cut. Uh, or a post June first cut, he's he saved them a, a good amount of money. So they have the ability. I mean, again, if if you if you look kind of at average annual values of contracts, every time one of these wide receivers signs a new deal, that average annual value just seems uh, to cl- to climb and to climb. I mean, Cooper Cup is getting twenty six point seven million dollars. Hunter Renfro is not getting twenties, but he's getting sixteen million dollars on average per year. So you know, earlier in this conversation. We were kind of going through and saying, what's the valuation on Terry McLaurin? What could he reasonably expect to get? You had, I think you had Christian Kirk signing his deal, and then you had Devontae Adams kind of come through. So it kind of gave you a benchmark where I kind of sat there. I'm like, you know, 22 and a half on on average is probably what you're looking for in that deal. Now, again, you have guaranteed money and incentives and all those things that kind Mm -hmm. of balance everything out. But 22 and a half on average uh, for the life of the contract is probably around the ballpark of what you're looking for. But at the time, I kind of conceded that the Washington might be able to get him at about 18 to 20 million average if they guarantee more of that up front and then leave less of it to incentives. 22 and a half if less is guaranteed, but more of it is available incentives and all those things. But then, yeah, again, you have Hunter Renfro coming in at 16 and no disrespect uh, to Hunter Renfro. He's been great for the Las Vegas Raiders and he's done, I think, more uh, in his career short time so far in the league than most people expected him to uh, when he was coming out of school. But Terry McLaurin is is head and shoulders above Hunter Renfro right. as far as what he can do yeah. for a team. So if Hunter is getting 16 mil on average, you're not getting away with giving Terry McLaurin less than 20. So you're now your floor, I think, is 20 million, and your ceiling might be closer to 23 or 23 and a half million now, especially with Cooper Cup up there at 26.7. So I mean, these are all things that have to be worked out, and it seems like every time another receiver signs a contract, not only does Washington not actually sign one with Terry, but they almost seem to get further apart. Right, because the market is now changed and now it's yeah. that much harder and all that. Um, it, it's one of those things where you you hope if you're a Commanders fan that this gets worked out next week and we've forgotten about it by the time they're playing meaningful football. Yeah. But it's the Commanders. <laughs> I feel like yeah, the Commanders never give their fans swift and clean resolutions to anything. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you host a lot on Vikings, you know, podcasts, and, and a lot of fans reference back to Kirk Cousins and and the the the, the circus and the rodeo. Uh, that they went through with him at quarterback and tagging him year after year after year. And yep. instead of signing him to long-term deals, and then you look at Brandon Scherf, that's another player that, you know, the team kept saying, we want Brandon here long-term. Brandon kept saying he wanted to be in Washington his entire career. Uh, but then you kind of saw those those games start getting played. The front office came out and literally told everybody, we made Brandon Scherf a contract offer that would have made him the richest offensive lineman in league history. Well, again, how much of that was in guarantees? And how much of that was tied to incentives because people kind of fall short of understanding that, you know, a hundred million dollar contract for AJ Brown over four years is not really a hundred million dollars for AJ Brown over four years. So you might have you might have made the offer to Brandon Shirk, but if 30% of that alone 
is tied to games played when he's at injury issues, that contract value is going to dwindle down really, really fast. So we don't know what the official offers that were made to Brandon Scherf. All we know is Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota. Brandon Scherf is in Jacksonville. So the, the question now becomes, is Terry McLaurin the next guy that's going to be mm-hmm. uh, a really good player for the Burgundy and Golden and eventually play for another team? Right, and and where that places them in the division as a whole, which is, I guess, the next thing we should kind of zoom out and talk about where the commanders belong in the NFC East. And if they do let Terry McLaurin walk, great, you save some money, but does that just mean you're back kind of to square one trying to build, you know, who are you building around now? And I guess that becomes my, my bigger question. I don't have a great sense for the commanders, so I'm really glad you're here. So that's, I guess, what we'll talk about next. Yeah, so, I mean, the layers and layers of Terry McLaurin conversation, not only how it impacts commanders, but like you said, the NFC East as a whole. We'll talk about that thanks to our friends over at BlueNile.com. You can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On NFL listeners. Get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. Just use the, the promo code Locked On at BlueNile.com. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Look, I know a lot of you guys really liked what we did for the draft, the ultimate mock draft that we all did here at the Locked On NFL part of the Locked On Network. Um, That was very cool, and the NBA is now doing theirs. They got like 50 experts, local experts from every single team, including your favorite team, big board draft experts, plus all the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now. So you don't miss a pick David. If Terry McLaurin leaves, where do the commanders land? Like what is the identity of the Washington commanders? Are they now a Carson Wentz team? Mm-hmm. Or is there a defensive guy that we should know about? Be- who Because when I think commanders right now, Terry McLaurin's the first player that comes to my mind. Right. Who does that guy become if they don't get this deal done? I think, interestingly enough, I think the Washington Commanders are still a defensive-minded team. I think this is still a team that, under the vision of Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and everything that they've done, you look at all the draft pick investments, the first-round picks all across the front line on the defense with Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. They didn't go first-round defense this year, which, by the way, it's the first time that a first-round pick was not spent on a defensive player since Dwayne Haskins was drafted with the 15th Mm -hmm. overall pick back in 2019. They took Montez Sweat, the 26th pick in that same first round. Every pick since then in the first round for Washington has been a defensive player. So Jahan Dotson represents the first first round pick for the offense for this regime. And since even going back into the last regime, that kind of solidifies the identity, right? That's what this team wants to be. That's what they wanted to be last year. The problem is as Ryan Fitzpatrick is going down, the defense is also struggling coming out the shoot now. A lot of that was laid to the feet of Chase Young, who wasn't around for a lot of the offseason conditioning and, and team building exercises uh, and all those things. He's around more now this offseason than he was last year, trying to fix some of those things. But at the end of the day, that's where I think this team wants to sit. They want to have games that come in. like you don't, They want final scores that are less than 25 uh, on either mm-hmm. side of the ball. 
and they want to run the ball. You see Brian Robinson Jr. get drafted out of Alabama in the third round this year to join uh, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick coming back, Jarrett Patterson, the impressive uh, undrafted rookie from last year. So I think this is a team that even with Carson, even if Terry comes back with Curtis Samuel healthy and Jahan Dotson, a first-round pick, they want to be able to grind the clock, play from ahead, use their defense to frustrate opposing offenses. But what they saw last year is they also needed to improve their ability to make up ground if they were playing from behind. That's where Carson Wentz comes in. He can throw the deep ball if needed, so he can try to get those three or four play drives going if they really need them or a two-minute drill with some confidence. Uh, But ideally, they don't want that. So I think the identity with Terry on the field, the identity without him, is still the same. The question now is, or the the real the real impact here is obviously from a defensive standpoint. If Terry McLaurin's on the field, you probably feel comfortable as long as you give up less than say twenty five points or less per game. You feel like there's enough on the offense to to pull you out uh, of that game and get a victory. Without Terry McLaurin, now you're talking like you need to give up no more than maybe twenty two points a game if you want to have a chance to win those things. It's a hard way to live as a uh, Vikings fan. That is the way we tried to live for basically the entire time Mike Zimmer was the coach, and now they're going to they you know hire a guy out of McVay's offense or go in a different direction. It, it's a tough way to live, but what I will say is if you are a roster that needs a little more talent, if you're a younger roster or if you've got holes on the roster, some of the most stunning upsets we've ever seen in the league are games where each team had eight possessions because someone was mm-hmm. running the ball and there was a lot of clock chewing going on. And, you know, it's it's a lot easier for an underdog to surprise some juggernaut when yeah. you only have to stop them on eight drives than, you know, fast, you know, when you need to get 16 stops. Those kind of upsets can make a lot of stats and a lot of things get really fluky when the samples get small. So sometimes you can make the samples small on purpose, you know, and right. that feels like a way to go. So I guess we'll talk in a little bit about the other three teams, I think, in the division and where they stack up and all that. But where do you think the commanders stack up? Stack up? Like if you were to go to yeah. bet online right now yeah. and bet, you could bet, you know, first, second, third in the division, what would you pick? If I had to do it right now, I think I would put Washington third place. And that's that's really not even so much a down view of, of the Washington commanders per se. It's just... Again, there there were by and large this roster is not a whole lot different on defense, which is good from a continuity standpoint, good from a comfortability standpoint. William Jackson the third, the cornerback uh, that Washington signed last offseason away from the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of talked about this. You know, last year he was not only getting to new, getting to know a new scheme, new playbook, new coach mentality, but he's also getting to know his teammates for the first time. And they come out the gate struggling, which obviously kind of. Uh, detracts from the bonding and you know there's not a whole lot of kumbaya moments when you're on losing streaks and stuff like that so now this year come in fresh everybody's zero and zero everybody is a super bowl champion in the making potentially so you have a little bit more comfortability you're not learning things now you're you're coming in day one this year with all the knowledge now you're just kind of getting your body back into that muscle memory so it makes a little bit of a difference so while the defense is still by and large the same defense that we saw at the end of last season that's good in, in the comfortability sense, but the, the last time we saw this defense, the, the, the team was losing a lot of games, and they weren't really the dominant force that a lot of people hoped that they would be. So there's still a lot of question marks, even though there's familiarity on the offensive side of the ball. You have actually a lot of pieces that are that are going to be new to this team. You've got new offensive linemen. You've got a new quarterback that everybody agrees is a physical uh, 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 upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Curtis Samuel appeared in five games in 2021, but really didn't play. I I, I would basically go down and say he didn't really play for them in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. 
his first year on the team, but now he looks really healthy. He's cutting real smooth, making a lot of moves of confidence. Shahan Dotson and, and, and Carson Wentz seem to be on a good page. And again, if you can get, you know, Terry McLaurin back out there and the running back room was missing a little bit of, of thump uh, in it by, by losing Peyton Barber. Brian Robinson Jr. brings a little bit of that, but he also has some three down uh, back potential that we've seen so far. So with as much change as there's been on the offense, really even going back to players that were technically on the roster, just not on the field last year, that's reason for excitement, right? But it's also reason for we don't know what to expect because how quickly are they going to gel? And if they don't gel very quickly and they start off 0-2, 0-3, that's a lot of pressure. And now you're struggling mm-hmm. to click. You're struggling to come together, but you're also on a losing streak, so there's more pressure and people start pressing more, et cetera, et cetera. That's how things can kind of snowball. So it's really kind of an up-in-the-air thing. So for me – on paper, I would say that they're the number two roster. Uh, like if I were just picking Madden, right, I would I would say they're the second best uh, team by overall ratings. But because of what we've seen last and, and the fact that we haven't seen this thing put together yet, I would put them third in the division. So if you at bet online, they are even odds to be third and fourth. And if they did end up second, yeah. that'd be a bigger upset. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, bet online is pretty much torn between Dallas and Philadelphia, slight edge to Dallas, and then. Right. Uh, New York and Washington, they gave a slight edge to to Washington over the Giants. Yeah, that, and that and that makes sense. I mean, I I have the gap between Washington and the Giants. Like like I have the gap. The Giants are at the bottom for me. They're gonna be until they move on from Daniel Jones. Like I know that they want to see yeah. if he is or isn't the guy. I to me that question's already been answered. He's not the guy. He hasn't been the guy. The issues he has in the NFL, he had them in Duke. You know what I mean? Like they just haven't gotten fixed. And I mean, I don't like. You can bring as many different coaches as you want, but if a guy has these same issues, it's likely the, the what I'm saying, like Dan Jones has, it's not that he hasn't been coached to not do some of the things that he's doing. It's just, that's who he is. For sure. And if you want to bet on any of those things or NFL, NBA, uh, you can bet on hockey finals, whatever you want to bet on. You can even play your favorite Vegas casino games, bet on whatever this weekend's big fight is, anything. You can find all of that at betonline.net where game starts all right let's keep talking about those new york giants <laughs> so outside of daniel jones who i i think we can all agree i am not a carson wentz guy i'd still probably take wentz over, over daniel jones it just doesn't seem like he is panning out to be the guy that they drafted sixth overall that they thought they got is that what about new york if if you had to if a time traveler came and said, ah, New York won the division, what do they cite as the reason? Like, what could, what needs, what breaks that makes them a, a good team? Uh, all the other three teams had starting quarterback injuries in week one. That's that's what's going to gonna have to happen. And that's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I mean, it just it just really kind of is what it is. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, they're, they're number one, you know, or well, one of their first round picks. Um I, yeah, I was kind of in that group that was was kind of like, okay, he's near the top of this class, but this is a class that doesn't really have a very rich top five, top ten, you know, part of the class. There are some good players in there that I liked. I liked Sauce Gardner, but I don't think Sauce Gardner is going to be, you know, I don't know, the next Deion Sanders, like change the game from the cornerback position. Evan Neal is a good uh, improvement for the, for the right tackle position, but again, you're just trying to kind of make up for missed missed picks you know in the past you've had some other picks in the offensive line some other moves that really haven't panned out so it's not even so much like you're building on a strength you're actually trying to make up for some past mistakes there so i don't know if you would even call it breaking even i mean Kadarius tony has had his issues kenny galladay late in the season for the new york giants really looked like he basically given up 
uh, on the team. And that's never what you want to see out of yeah. you know, your quote unquote prized free agent acquisition from the year before. And with everything else on the field, you still have Daniel Jones. And again, it, it starts, it ends and starts with a quarterback mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones. Again, he just doesn't elicit a lot of confidence or inspire a lot of, of energy from his teammates. And I think you can kind of see that from around the building. Yeah. And it's clear like Dave Gettleman really drove that whole operation. And I think every Giants fan would agree. Dave Gettleman yeah. drove that operation into the abyss, into hell. And they need, it's going to take some time to climb out. And so the way I see it is like, all right, wipe that clean, you know, wipe that slate clean, Andrew Thomas, whatever, just get, you need a cornerstone tackle, get a corner. You don't have a cornerstone tackle. Even if you spent a whole bunch of picks on a cornerstone tackle and none of them worked out, that was oh. the last guy. Get your guy in, right? And so I, I like the offseason the Giants had, but I, yeah, I, I don't think anybody has an ex- any expectation of them doing anything remotely competitive. They're more sort of sitting in a limbo trying to pull the pieces together and put together a foundation that you can build around in future years. So let's Absolutely. talk instead about the teams that are favored to be the two teams vying for the NFC East title, the Cowboys mm-hmm. and the Philadelphia Eagles. I find the Philadelphia Eagles fascinating this year. Um, I think they just did a really interesting roster and I'm really excited to see how it puts pulls together. Um, but I get, you know what? Let's get right to the chase. Cowboys or Eagles. Who do you got? Uh, I've got Eagles right now. And I mean, okay. you know, <laughs> I think this was a closer, I think it was a closer contest than a lot of people really understood last year, even with some of Jalen hurts and, and his limitations as an NFL quarterback so far. So if Jalen hurts can take a step, further and and I'm not saying he's gonna become one of the best passers in the league but if he can become just a solid quarterback a solid passer uh, that other teams have to defend against you've got A.J. Brown out there which I think is going to really open some things up for Devonta Smith you know last year he's getting team's best guys here he's getting the double coverage he's getting the strength you know when a team rolls they're rolling to his side well now this year they're gonna have to roll to A.J. Brown they're gonna have to double A.J. Brown put their best guy on this on on him so I think Smith is going to get a little bit more room to work Quez Watkins, then, you know, trickle down economics is going to get some more room to work. Uh, and again, so Jalen Hurts can take even a micro step, you know, towards being an average NFL quarterback from a throwing standpoint. And then I think this team has a lot. And the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they last time we saw them, they were on the top of the NFC East, but I think they've come down a little bit uh, to the mean while the Eagles and the Washington Commanders, at least on paper, have risen up a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm with you in that, like, the offseason... Philly had a great offseason. I really do like what the Eagles have done to make turn their team from a seven seed into something potentially more. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, going out and getting A.J. Brown, I love that kind of move. Just go get a bona fide, true, good player that you're... Yeah. The, the cost of him... Nobody's going to be talking about how many draft picks he was when he's scoring touchdowns for you on Sunday. Yep. Um, Best wide receiver in Titans history. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm just not sold on Jalen Hurts. I, yeah. I don't know about the step forward or anything like that. And so I, I'm going with the Cowboys just because I'm very sold on Dak Prescott. You mm-hmm. know, he's he has won me. And Jalen Hurts kind of hasn't. Yeah. Mostly, there are just some moments from last season um, where that just sort of soured me on him. And look, I, I am not... I, I watched the primetime games. You know, I watched the games that I was, like, expected to cover. So there's de- there could be evidence that I am missing, and Eagles fans, you just go right. ahead and let me know. I would love to hear it. I mean, uh, I don't think you're missing anything. Like, I love Jalen Hurts. So don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts, but I think Jalen Hurts kind of just is what he is. And, I mean, you know, I, I'm the same, but I haven't seen every Eagles game, right? But talking to Louie and talking to Gino, I talked to Louie uh, a good amount down the senior bowl as well. And the question really is, is how 
what is Jalen Hurts' quarterback ceiling as a passer? That's really the question. Yeah. Leadership, football IQ, athleticism, he's got all that. It's the arm, it's the arm talent, it's the passing ability and the ability to diagnose the field. So that's the question. And really, from the quarterback position, I think the Giants and Eagles are really in very similar positions. The difference is the Eagles, you at least have some playmaking ability from your quarterback Correct. where the Giants are struggling. But if 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 both of these things don't flower, I guess is a good way to put it for the Giants and Eagles, you could look, Luke, honestly, at both of these teams if they're not already sitting, I mean, I don't expect the Eagles to be sitting top five. The Giants might be, but they if they're not sitting top five in the 2023 NFL draft, you could see them trying to make moves to potentially mm-hmm. get in the top five to go get a new quarterback. And Philadelphia has stacked up some ammo yeah. to give themselves that yeah. option. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for me with Hurts, it's not like I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the league or anything. I, I, I no. might say Daniel Jones has a chance to be the worst quarterback in the league that starts. That, yes. that could happen. Uh, you're never going to go that far with Jalen Hurts. It's more that there are just moments from last last season that stick out in my mind that I need to kind of, I I need to be convinced that that's not in him anymore. And that would be the next step is, is a step of like consistency. So if, if I'm to buy the Eagles, I think if the Eagles are to be like, let's go all the way if they're to be a Super Bowl contender, Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts needs to be at a level of consistency that we haven't really seen from him even close, and that would be the step he needs to take. Because there are also moments where you're like, man, this dude's a playmaker. This dude absolutely rules. Can you do 16 of that, though? And <laughs> yeah. you know, stay healthy for it all and all that stuff. That is where it's going to be, because being the best quarterback in the league for eight games and being a disaster for eight games means you're 8-8 eight and, eight and out of the playoffs. Right. Um, and so for that reason, I, kinda, I, like, I like what the Cowboys have. I, I like what they have already mm-hmm. i don't think any of these teams are the teams i fear the most in the nfc no. give that to the the bucks or the packers right. but i think the cowboys still win this division just because of all those quarterbacks you know daniel jones carson wentz i don't buy it jalen hurts i'm willing to buy it if he does the right things mm-hmm. dak prescott i buy it give me dak prescott and yeah. that is he's got all the experience um and like if I see anybody putting together a 12 win season, it's a team led by Dak Prescott. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with Dak, you have, you know, the devil that you know, right? And that's, you know, what they, what right. they always say, right? Dance with the devil you know instead of the one you don't. Every quarterback in the NFC East has major questions around them outside of Dak. I mean, there's still, there's always going to be questions around Dak Prescott. You know, Amari Cooper is gone. So how much is that going to impact things? Is Michael Gallup really ready to step into that full time number two role? Uh, I love Jalen Tolbert, so so adding him to the offense, you know, as, as much as I don't want to see uh, the Cowboys succeeding against, you know, the NFC East rivals, I think, I think Jalen Tolbert was a really good pick there in the third round for them. We'll see how they can kind of incorporate him. And then I think the biggest question you have on the Cowboys offense really is Ezekiel Elliott. Like, is the Zeke that we saw early in his career really gone, or is he going uh, to come back? And is the Cowboys offense really going to turn into an offense that can, that can lean on him? But I think you just you have more of – more comfortability with the Cowboys and more what ifs and what could be yeah. with teams like the commanders uh, and the Eagles. But I think, I mean, all, all things being equal, if the commanders can kind of get what they think they can get from their team and the Eagles can get what they think they can get from their team. I think one of those three teams uh, obviously is going to win the NFC East, but I think that the spread is one or two games at the mm-hmm. end of the season for who wins and who's out. As it always is with the NFC East. I'll give, I'll give Eagles fans this one thing um, at the end here. Uh, Look, I, if I had to bet, I would probably take the favored Cowboys to win the division. But if you want me to lock to, to step onto a bandwagon for three years, I'm taking the Eagles, no doubt. 
Um, the Cowboys, I, I don't like their first round pick. In fairness, I didn't like their first round pick last year. I was super wrong about that. But I, I don't like taking a tackle that doesn't that with like major holes in his pass blocking technique in the first round. Right. They lost Amir, They lost Amari Cooper. Yeah. They paid a bunch of money to Michael Gallup. Um, I think that is a direction that it feels like it's just begging to decline in a couple of years. Right. Whereas the Eagles have stacked a lot of things and it's just the way Howie Roseman plays it. He plays it very similarly to the Rams who just won the Super Bowl. Just have enough good players in here where we can be a contender. Um, and you know, the price price tags be damned. And I, I always respect that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, you know, from a long-term aspect, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys look like a team on the decline, not the rise, while the Eagles and, and the mm-hmm. Commanders and even the Giants. You know, if you get past my Daniel Jones bias, if you, if you look at the Giants. If they go also, get a quarterback, it's a totally yeah, different world. Exactly, yeah. it is. It's totally or, – and, and, you know, even a healthy running back that, you know, that could make – that could do yeah. wonders for that team as well. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there, absolutely. Yeah. So, tomorrow, y'all get Tony and James um, breaking down whatever's going on in the NFL um, it is June, but there's still so much to talk about. So make sure you come around. We will see you all tomorrow here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.